Hello, it's Chappie. So I have my own butler fire pit and I'm sitting outside in a rather, rather horrendous blizzard right now. I've got a, a faux fur mankini. Well, it's not faux fur. It's actually back hair from former Highland Games participants. Um, I only want the uh, the red hair and the red Barbarossas from uh, maybe uh, people who toss the caber. Uh, fling those big balls, those iron balls, as far as they can. But yes, so a, a mankini made purely of the hair of former Highland Games participants. It's lovely to be here. So I'm doing a little bit of ironing right now. And I'm finding that if I wet the shirt and put it by the fire pit, I can get all sorts of wrinkles out. No need for wrinkle guard. Just a nice hot iron to get those wrinkles out right by the fire pit here. No polyester to be seen because that would be highly flammable. Be up in flames in no time. Um, but welcome along. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's lovely, lovely, lovely to have you here as I uh, put another log on the fire. I, I still do have a bow tie on uh, along with the faux fur mankini. And um, it's wonderful to have you here in uh, blizzardy Colorado trying to keep all the cockles warm. Um, it is it, very difficult. It's a job that somebody has to do, and I feel that I'm man enough to take on the challenge. Um, but as I iron, uh, I, I, can, I can always do that with my left hand. With the right hand, I'm going to have uh, full control of the microphone here over the course of the next hour, and uh, hopefully you'll find it somewhat entertaining. So I just really want to pay tribute to the marvellous Mr. Peter Alice, who died um, on Sunday. He was the doyen of all sports commentators and broadcasters around the world. He had a wonderful turn of phrase. He was a raconteur, bon viveur, and a cheeky chappy um, in an age where being a cheeky chappy is not the done thing anymore. Um, politically incorrect at times, controversial at times. But nobody made uh, picking up a baking sandwich in the ninth hole at Sunningdale's uh, little uh, ninth hole clubhouse more entertaining than Peter Alice. Um, a wonderful man, a very funny man, and he'll be absolutely dearly, dearly missed. Um, look up some of the clips online. Absolutely fantastic. One of them was uh, he was on air and uh, he said he had got aroused by Carol Vorderman. What he meant was he got the seven-letter word aroused from the TV show that she was hosting, Countdown, earlier in the week. Uh, but the producers and his co-presenters and broadcasters were holding their breath as he explained the punchline. So welcome along to the show. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Um, so a little tribute there to Peter Alice, the wonderful uh, sports uh, broadcaster, golf commentator. And very sadly, uh, Barbara Windsor died overnight. Uh, Peggy Mitchell in EastEnders, uh, the, the cheeky temptress on a lot of the carry-on movies uh, that I don't think many people really catch on over in the United States, but were absolutely phenomenal innuendo. Again, polit politically incorrect today. Uh, but uh, wondrous to watch, very amusing, and uh, really the, uh, the tapestry of my childhood. Um, these wonderful, cheeky, naughty 
films that uh, were through the late 60s and uh, 1970s, and Barbara was a part of that. Um, she's probably bantering with Sid James and Kenneth Williams in heaven right now. She's truly uh, a shining light and uh, will be greatly missed. So welcome along to the program. Um, it, it's feeling very festive at the moment. We're getting a little dusting of snow. Um, I've come in from the fire pit. I'm all warmed up. I'm, uh, I had to take off the mankini. And, uh, and I decided to slip into uh, just a smoking jacket to broadcast today. Um, it's, it's silk. It's red. Uh, but it's embossed with fur. Um, which is causing me a little bit of a rash, I have to say. Uh, so excuse my itching through the course of the program. All right, some of the things that we uh, we may or may not be talking about today, um, we're going to be may maybe talking about or looking at these monoliths that are appearing all around the world. What does it mean? There's a gold one that's appeared. Um, also, a special type of moisturizer. We'll be uh, expounding the, the virtues of this special type of moisturizer a little bit later that you can use on all parts of your body. Um, cutlery etiquette, um, how during COVID when, you know, you may have gone through all the box sets, you may have uh, listened to all the music you want to listen to. Some of the things, something that may entertain you um, in terms of cutlery etiquette uh, to, uh, to keep you amused through these uh, cold winter festive days. Um, and... Um, Something I want to introduce to you. Uh, everybody's very proud of uh, these these 14ers that they hike that take you know four or five hours, 15 miles, uh, you know going up to 14,000 feet, uh, and uh, they hold up signs and flash their moobs um, or boobs or whatever they want to flash. Um, but I, I, something I want to introduce to you. I, I think I prefer a nooner to a 14er. Um, is is what I want to introduce that phrase into uh, Colorado speak uh, over the course of the next millennia um, because we're getting ourselves exhausted unnecessarily in these 14ers where we could really just be tucked up in the four poster enjoying ourselves. Um, I want a holiday grooming experience like my dog. How can I receive that? Uh, travelers in cat cattle class offered a bed for the flight. Uh, sequins will add the sparkle to the Dallas Zoom party. Is it wrong to flash your baubles in November? Um, supermarket taste test, the best and worst of Christmas food. Uh, the winds apparently have become or are unscathed by the Crown's melodrama. Um, DIY reef craze turns the nation's front doors into leaky works of art. Uh, and uh, something that I uh, read, a curious tale of uh, Roald Dahl and Beatrix Potter, who actually met, uh, and it's a new uh, Christmas drama on Sky TV in the UK, and will be uh, in the US. Why not uh, swap your goose or your turkey for a slow roasted duck recipe, Tom Carriage, uh, some of the best cheeses to buy. You need to support the cheese industry. Keep cheese, as I am on Twitter. Keep cheese is very, very important. And why not? Uh, why don't you dress you as your favorite candy this Christmas? Your favorite quality street? Would you be the? Uh, would you be the uh, green triangle? Uh, would you be the purple nutty one? Or uh, maybe a coffee cream? Or perhaps the strawberry surprise? 
So travellers in cattle class offered a bed for the flight. A long-haul flight is uncomfortable at the best of times, but sitting in economy class sandwiched between other passengers for hours can be unbearable. Now airlines are competing to enhance the cattle class cabin by letting passengers book a bed for the duration of the flight. The German carrier Lufthansa is offering economy passengers the chance to upgrade to a so-called sleeper row, allowing them to stretch out over three or four seats complete with mattress blanket for a fraction of the price. Um, apparently Lufthansa you can upgrade to a row of three or four seats to make a bed including pillow and blanket Zephyr Life a flat seat allowing passengers to stretch out one's legs and then Air New Zealand sleep pods with full length flat beds in economy class the system is being tried on 12 hour flights between Frankfurt and Sao Paulo to gauge the demand the move is likely to prove particularly enticing for passengers at a time of concern over the coronavirus well I have to say um, last December I did travel back to the UK and I was very lucky the flight was quite empty and I managed to stretch out with a blanket lifted all the um, uh, armrests up and managed to stretch across which is rather lovely so that's one end of the spectrum the, the, the next end, luckily having short legs, um, having no leg room is not a problem to me. Uh, I have more trouble with my lower back and also looking like a giraffe uh, above everybody else uh, when you look back on the aeroplane. Um, everybody else is fairly normal with their head just above the uh, headrest, where mine is probably another couple of foot above that, it seems. So I look like some sort of uh, constipated giraffe. Um, but uh, yeah, no problem with the leg room. But on a flight recently, I was stuck between somebody who uh, got some pizza. Um, I don't know if it was a pizza that he had ordered uh, before the flight or if he'd got it on the airplane. And literally, this person I don't think had washed in the last six weeks. He had terribly oozy acne and he was carrying a pizza and dripping grease all over me when he got back into his seat. So any sort of sleep pod would be quite welcome, I think, on that type of nightmare flight uh, when you have somebody holding a pizza with a pizza face. So ladies and gentlemen, let me reintroduce to you sequins and they add the sparkle to the Dallas Zoom party. Uh, it's that time of year again. The sequins are back in this non-party season. They've come in your loungewear. John Lewis, they have come sewn in sweatshirts at Zara. It's leggings covered in gold discs. A red sequin pajama style shirt is part of Marks and Spencer's latest autographs collection. And Karen Millen, you can buy sequin face masks. Um, so you've got so you've got the face masks. You've got the leggings. Um, nothing's putting off shoppers at the moment uh, who wants to add a little bit of uh, sparkle back into their lives. Um, Magpie fashionistas would approve. They don't need an excuse to wear something shiny to buy and milk the whole sequin trend. The Look At Me set wears sequins year-round on blazers, skirts, trousers, and uh, better attract that type of attention. Um, I would like, almost like a pearly queen uh, flat cap, of sequins um my, my smoking jacket is is sequined and uh, rather reflect, reflective and delicious one has to say um i don't know about sequins on uh, undergarments would they rub in the necessary places i don't know and uh, it's like finding sand in places on the beach would you find sequins at a later date in some sort of orifice that you wouldn't be expecting. That is my concern. Are they attached securely? You need an atta a securely attached sequin uh, to adorn any sort of attire, I would say. Um, but, you know, add a little bit of sparkle this Christmas on those uh, Zoom meetings and Zoom calls. And if you're going to go and get your post, just when you go to get your post, 
every day working from home and you get your post, put on your sequin jacket. It would, it would put a sparkle and glint in the neighbor's eye, I'm sure. So we've been looking at uh, rather famous, sometimes infamous, English Christmas foods over the last couple of weeks. And we have another absolute delight, a delicious one this week. Um, and you don't get this, I don't believe, I mean, maybe it's pigs in blankets, I think uh, it's something similar in the US, but it is nothing compared to the traditional English sausage roll. Party food or picnic food, you decide. So sausage rolls are something of a cliche. Put three or four people in a room with a few drinks and nibbles, and someone will trot out a plentiful uh, plate of the puff pastry goodies. If you're new to the English food, sausage rolls are lengths of sausage meat wrapped in flaky puff pastry and baked in the oven till puffed up and golden. They can be good uh, if they're homemade and served piping hot with a spicy relish or hot English mustard on the side. But more often than not, they can be tepid and greasy, uh, but uh, not when I make them, uh, honestly, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, don't think they make a good picnic food. The pastries is too delicate to survive being dragged around the park until you find your favorite picnic spot. Um, so the recipe uh, for sausage rolls apparently dates back to pre-Victorian times and is believed to originate in Sussex in the south coast of England. Sausages were baked, encased in bread dough, and uh, served to the local farmhands as a tasty portable lunch. Now we're talking. Um, but both, uh, both recipes are deceptively easy, uh, and you can choose your favorite sausage, your sausage meat. I would use the sausage meat, uh, and you can buy some excellent shop-bought um, uh, puff pastry as well that goes, uh, goes very well. Sausage rolls make great party food, especially in winter and for Christmas parties. Um, and you can hand them out to carol singers who come and sing uh, rather lovely uh, Christmas carols at the door or something along those lines. But technically, you roll the sausage meat into a sausage, into a long, very long sausage, and you encase it in the puff pastry. It is so easy, and it's absolutely uh, delicious. Maybe rub, rub a little bit of egg yolk on top of them, and then you put them in the oven, and that is your Christmas Eve sort of I mean, I've seen aunts and uncles, uncles mainly, eat probably hundreds of these, um, really so solving a whole sausage roll mountain issue over Christmas. If you, but no, you can never buy too many sausage rolls over Christmas. They're absolutely wonderful and a, a treat for one and all. So why don't you try it this Christmas? Get the sausage meat, get the puff pastry, and put it all together, folks. Yeah. Woohoo! Merry Christmas. Okay, so we have live breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, from Aurora, Colorado. A guy, this is this live feed coming in from one of my most favorite listeners. A guy just jogged past my house wearing an elf outfit and a Santa hat. There, ladies and gentlemen, there needs to be a statewide elf warning. Uh, elf wearing a Santa hat, not his own green hat. This is, must be a fashion faux pas. The uh, festive police will come in and arrest him very shortly, I'm sure. So there was one Times writer in the week, and she suggested, is it wrong to flash your baubles in November? So is it wrong to flash your baubles in November? I mean, we're all trying to be a little bit more positive this year. The vaccine is, is, is on its way. 
uh, been approved and being administered in the UK at the moment uh, and just been approved in the US as well. But how about premature erections? And what I mean is uh, the erecting of Christmas decorations, lights, all of the Christmas decorations ensemble. Um, it's almost like somebody has signed a pact to get them out and up outrageously early, um, including uh, the slightly aging Joan Collins, who flashed her baubles weeks ago on Instagram, and that was, I think, in early November as well. Um, the writer, she likes Christmas lights. She owns two tacky light-up reindeers, um, uh, but people, she believes, are starting Christmas a little bit too early. It's like a one finger up at COVID uh, because we want to be very happy and friendly and joyous this year. Um, but it's almost like you're getting a double dose, a double whammy of Christmas. But psychologists do say it's healthy to put up tinsel um, early and put up the decorations early. It makes one feel better, get into the Christmas spirit early. Um, but a lot of people, the Scrooges, the Grinches among us, believe it is too early to put up Christmas decorations until December the 18th. I say, I say, sir, that is wrong. Put up Christmas decorations in the middle of November. In America, we have an excuse for the Thanksgiving. A lot of people put them up just before, just after Thanksgiving, but there should be no excuse. You should put your Christmas decorations up in the middle of, in the middle of November. And I do believe it is okay to start playing Christmas music at the beginning of November. Uh, answers on a postcard, I may be wrong, and you can uh, and you can be grinchy and uh, send whatever you want to me uh, in uh, disparity and uh, disillusionment with the Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese podcast. But I do believe we should start Christmas early, not just on a COVID year, any year. It boosts the spirits, uh, get those get that mold wine warmed early, and uh, the Christmas uh, holiday sandwiches are absolutely delicious, and I'll eat them at any time of year, but especially from mid-November. So we now have a true, real-life, butler-fireside Christmas tale. A ghostly Christmas caress. It was Christmas time, 95-96, at my aunt's house on the reservation in North Dakota. Some of my family was in the living room watching television. The children were playing in their rooms or sleeping. My uncle and aunt were sitting at the table, putting a puzzle together. My cousin, who worked in the casino, was due home around midnight at 1am. That night, as she pulled up and was walking towards the house, she looked at, through the window and saw me sitting at the table, my uncle sitting across from me. She also saw someone standing to the left of me and someone standing in the corner. She continued to walk into the house, thinking nothing of it. When she got inside, she said her hellos and put her stuff away and came to join us at the table. As we were sitting there talking, she looked at me and asked, who was standing next to me a few minutes ago and who was in the corner? I told her, no one. And she said, yeah, there was somebody standing next to you. It looked like your mum. And she was playing with your hair. I have long hair, which I used to wear down all the time. She said, this person was running her hand on her hair as a, as a mother did to a child. It kind of freaked me out as I was probably only 12 or 13 at the time. My cousin swears up and down that someone was standing over me, rubbing my head and watching me put the puzzle together with my aunt and uncle, and that there was another person standing behind that person. We got around to thinking the second person was probably her mum, who passed away her birthday week before Christmas back in 92, she had seen. In my family, we consider our aunts and uncles to be just like our mums and dads. After thinking that it could have been her, it didn't scare me at all. Around Christmas, sometimes strange things 
uh, and they often happen. But that time, I honestly thought it was my mum visiting us. So we have the curious tale of Royal Dahl and Beatrix Potter. Uh, is a new drama uh, coming to TV screens this Christmas. Uh, Roald Dahl told few people about the first time he went to visit Beatrix Potter. Now that meeting between a boy and its hero is getting a Christmas movie treatment. Uh, Dawn French is dangling a dead mouse by its tail. There can only be one culprit she deduces with a wry smile, Tom Kitten. Beatrix Potter wasn't sentimental in any way. In fact, her books were pretty brutal. If Mr. McGregor had caught Peter Abbott, he'd been in a pie, and that's the end of it, says Dawn French, who is tasked with bringing the much-loved author to life in a film coming to Christmas uh, TV screens. She's interested, curious, but she's also no-nonsense. Rats are going to get uh, eaten uh, kittens by kittens. Mice will get their tails chopped off. There's a fearlessness about fear in both of her works and also Roald Dahl's and the fact that there was a real moment when they met each other is fascinating. That encounter has been reimagined in Roll and Beatrix, The Tale of the Curious Mouse, a snow-covered Sky original drama that features the big name cast, uh, stop frame animation, uh, puppetry, animal actors, the works. You might expect the meeting of the two countries' most celebrated authors to be well documented, but little is actually known about the day a young Dahl met his literary hero who by then was approaching his 60s and living in a largely private life in Lake District. Dahl never spoke publicly about their meeting, but is thought to have taken place in the early 1920s, but there are also a handful of those closest to him who confirm it did take place. Bruff Girling, a fellow author who befriended Dahl during the last decade of his life, is one of the few people he told. The pair met when Girling asked if Dahl, uh, if he would become the chairman of Readathon, a campaign he founded to encourage sponsored reading in schools. Uh, Girling was also at the receiving end of Dahl's famous uh, wicked sense of humour. He'd meet up and say, Hello, bruv, I see that you've got those bloody awful shoes on again. He was quite a character. He's had a lot of self-confidence, but he wasn't a show-off. But it could explain why he told so, many, so few people about the day he visited Potter's home. Girling vividly remembers hearing it over dinner. He asked his mother if he'd go out and visit her home, and uh, when he was about nine or ten. He remembered walking up the road to her house and getting nervous because she was uh, his favourite author. And then he uh, got to the farmyard. It was like stepping into one of his favourite books because he recognised it all because it uh, drew out uh, all of the pieces in Jemima Puddleduck. The story goes on when a young doll spotted Potter in a garden and she asked what he wanted. He explained that he could come and see Beatrix Potter and she replied, well, you've seen her, now buzz off. Uh, Girling thinks it might be a slight work of fiction. I don't think he ever make up the entire story, but he was a great embellisher. He says, buzz off is how people spoke in that sort of prep school language back in the day. It is lovely to think that two great authors met, uh, one as a child, one as an adult, and almost sort of passed that uh, literary baton uh, onto each other. So it's going to be a fabulous uh, show this Christmas. Um, I will do some research and see if it's on US TV anytime soon it might be on PBS or something along those lines but it's when Roald Dahl met Beatrix Potter so one must support their local and international cheesemaker but here are some of the best British cheeses to buy Christmas 2020 uh, Whole Foods is a great cheese selection so does Trader Joe's so you can buy some of these British cheeses at those stores it's not a feast without a cheese board. Uh, you can try these excellent but endangered varieties from Britain and Ireland. 
At the start of the pandemic, says Jason Hines, the director of celebrated cheesemonger Neil's Yard Dairy, many of the cheesemakers we work with stopped producing because they were so uncertain in the future. The closure of the shops and restaurants has severely restricted demand for British cheeses, but the result is that there are now shortage of many varieties. The shortfall is particularly acute with Stilton, the most popular Christmas cheese, such as the demand in December that we have to ration what we have. It's been a tough year for cheesemakers. Cows can't cross their legs and stop producing milk, so costs remain the same even if demand doesn't. So here's some of the uh, special cheeses that we have um, on offer, and if you can get them, so much the better. Um, but absolutely delicious. Of the hard cheese variety, we have the Lincolnshire Poacher. This is a hard, mature cheese somewhere between cheddar and a Swiss mountain cheese. When the Jones's cheesemakers started selling it, the Poacher was rationed because it was so popular. It's matured for between one and two years by the man who heads up cheese production, John Collins. It's a complex flavour and stands up to rich chutneys and pairs well with ale. The Montgomery Cheddar, farmed among cheddars, Montgomery is noteworthy for its almost crystalline texture rather like a good parmesan, uh, with a rich mature flavour, is a great British classic. Uh, uh, the tasting note is apple brandy is a great pairing with this super savoury cheese. It makes a wonderful topping for mashed potato pies. Kirkham's Lancashire, 80 years ago, there were 200 farmhouse cheesemakers in Lancashire. Now there's just one. This award-winning cheese is made from the third generation of the Kirkham family. It tastes, uh, uh, the tasting note is red wine overpowers hard cheeses, so do try a cider. This makes a superior cheese on toast. And then soft cheeses, we have a St. Jude. This cheese and Baron Bigod are now made at the same Suffolk dairy, but is distinctly different. St. Jude uh, is a cow's milk cheese with almost mousy texture and delicate rind. Um, it uh, works very well uh, with a rosé and works very lovely on a lightly baked baguette. Uh, Baron Bigod, this homegrown soft cheese is silky at the rind but crumbly at its core and has almost a mushroom-like complex flavour. Beautifully paired with port, infused marmalade or on an oat cake. Little Roll Right is a, a, a washed, rind-wrapped and spruce bark contains an oozing cow's milk cheese with a rich milky flavour and a hint of nuttiness. Try with an oxidised white wine uh, as with any of the soft cheeses. On the blue cheese side we have the Keschel Blue. Um, it's perfect if you're getting into blue cheese with its subtle and a creamy texture. And a tasting note, try a dessert wine uh, such as um, a, uh, a leaf remorse. A uh, lump melting in a, a roasted fig is a terrific match. The Devon Blue uh, is, was the 1970s Stilton. And it's pretty much the only British blue other than Stilton. This cheese is made by the pioneering cheesemaker Robin Congdon. Um, and the tasting note, I've not found a drink that doesn't pair with blue cheese. Real ale, chocolate stout, sake or an old favourite port. Um, so here's some of the keys when it comes to storing cheese. Uh, and again, at Keep Cheese on Twitter. Um, it's best to keep cheese in a cold space uh, like the lard or a garage. Uh, many people don't have access to one of these, so store their cheese in the fridge. If that's you, there are two rules you should follow. First, most people are inclined to keep it in a sealed Tupperware box. That's not a good place because cheese loses moisture with quickly creates a humid environment in the box, in, in turn creating a thin layer of white mold on the cut, of the cut side of the cheese that changes the flavour. Second, don't keep your cheese in the main body of the fridge or the fridge door. It'll dry out and won't be at its best. The best place to store is in the bottom drawer with your vegetables nestled up to a lettuce, 
you've got a nice little microclimate in there that prevents the cheese from drying out and air can get to it. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Put your cheese next to a lettuce. It keeps the moisture in. So do you have crusty cracked skin on your fingers this Christmas? Do you have flaky eyebrows? A forehead that's crusty with skin falling off it? Hair's dry with no energy and life to it? I have a new product that is often, um, is often utilized in a slightly different way. Um, but if you're lacking moisture this festive season, then I have uh, something that uh, will delight and solve all of your problems. Um, it's, a, it's a certain type of moisturizer. And just to give you a little bit of a, uh, a clue here, I'll give you some of the, uh, some of the reviews that I saw online. Um, firstly, uh, this is from Danielle in the United States. I love how it has a pump. Hmm, guessed it yet? And then uh, Mrs. Fellows, uh, nice and slippy, allows easy insertion of quite large items, more acceptable. Could have been in a larger bottle, as this only lasted through one party event. So, yes, you've guessed it. It's uh, a certain type of carnal moisturiser. So, if your hair's floppy with no, no sort of hold or a um, little dry, wistless, then you can rub some of this into your palms and then just run it through your locks. It will give you a certain shine, a softness that you've never seen before. Uh, also, if you have that sort of, you know, round your lips, a little dry, rub a little bit of this on your lips and they'll be revitalized. They'll look like Angelina Jolie, for God's sake. Um, and then um, also cross your eyebrows. Rub a little bit of this special... Miracle moisturizer onto the eyebrows and into your hands as well. You know, if your hands are drying out because of the sanitizer and washing your hands constantly, then uh, take a little bit of this special uh, festive moisturizer, um, a bead in both hands, and rub them together, and you'll have soft hands for the rest of the holiday season. Honestly, this is the, the, the most miraculous product. Um, since the Swiss Army knife and it solves a whole multiple uh, number of issues and you can obviously use it in the somewhat traditional way as well um, but uh, if you want to give your hair more life this holiday season stop those cracked knuckles then uh, rub a little bit of this special moisturizer all over your body and it'll be absolutely fantastic and uh, give a warm heart cheers and um or come all ye faithful, basically. That's what I'm saying. So, it always causes great hilarity when uh, I start eating. I never put my knife down. Literally and culturally and etiquette-wise, it is wrong to ever put your knife down. So, here I am. <clears throat> this knife and fork. I do actually have a knife and fork here, so I'm demonstrating it. I know, it's a, I know this is an audio medium visual, but I'm going to describe what I'm trying to do here. So my uh, fork prongs always face down. You can never have the fork on its back. It is wrong to have the fork on its back. 
So fork facing down, finger, uh, the, uh, the, the, the index finger pointed along the knife, and you take, let's say you're eating some peas. Now, our cousins over here, this side of the pond in America, would use it as a shovel and start shoveling peas into their mouth with the fork on its back. Now, what I suggest you need to do is have the prongs facing down and you take the knife and crush, crush the peas onto the fork and then gently slide the fork into your mouth and delicious English peas. And so the problem does come though, as I found the other day, is trying to balance a cooked nut on one's fork with the uh, prongs facing down. And it, it, you know, you can push the nut, slide the nut up the prongs as I'm trying to do now. And I mean, unless you clasp the knife next to the nut to hold it on the fork, the nut slides off the fork. And the nut's too hard to crush onto the fork. So you're running into a little bit of a problem here. But with the hands of a, of a, of a concert pianist, still hands, and uh, or maybe a, possibly a mime artist or somebody making pottery, one has to balance it up very carefully, carefully onto the fork, lifting it up to one's mouth, and then you can pop the nut into the mouth. And that's how you eat it. The prongs always need to be facing down, ladies and gentlemen. Never let the prongs go up. No, no riding up with the prongs always have to be facing down. That is the key to uh, culinary etiquette, one has to say. Even if you've got a rather slippery nut on the, on, the, on the fork, you still have to have the prongs facing down. Yeah, so we have a, a feature that was promised last week but was never delivered. I normally over-deliver and under-promise. That's my uh, mantra in life generally. But this is our feature it's crackpot or cracker so we we're looking at some of the best and worst christmas movies that normally fall into the category of lifetime or hallmark holiday movies uh and this is let's see what this one is coming out as we pull the cracker we have a christmas in vermont and this is the review riley is moving up the corporate ladder, crushing dreams and ruining lives while working for some evil acquisition firm run by Preston, played by a semi-catatonic version of Chevy Chase. Preston has a big assignment for Riley to go to Sadville, Vermont before Christmas and shut down the reality's version of North Face if North Face was underperforming and made really lame clothes. Seriously, you should have seen the stick figure designs they laid out for Riley. Awful, just awful. No problem for Riley, who has big life plans for a career. Then she meets the people of Sadville, especially the guy badly running the company, Wyatt. And while they don't hit it off immediately, love is unavoidable. And everything is wonderful as Riley works super hard to turn this sad company around until Wyatt and the employees of this pathetic company discover the real reason Riley's in town is to liquidate, lay off, and shut it down. Now everybody is sad in Sadville, especially Riley, who failed to save the company, lost her future boyfriend, even though she already had one back at home, who really didn't do anything to deserve getting dumped, 
and she disobeyed her catatonic boss, so she probably doesn't have a job. It's a really bad situation until out of the blue, somebody comes along and fixes everything and makes everything okay. The bottom line is that Christmas in Vermont is kind of terrible. In fact, I fell asleep on it and had to pick it up the next day, which means I have to watch a Christmas uh, half a movie and then a full horrible Christmas movie later. That doesn't bring me joy. The movie uh, moves way too slow. The plot is pulled out of the remedial class of Hallmark Christmas movie school. Uh, and Abigail Hawke and David O'Donnell couldn't generate enough heat to warm up a piece of toast. And it's uh, lots of original Christmas music packed with acoustic guitars. Listen, unless it's Lenny Kravitz unplugged or James Taylor, I hate acoustic guitars. But this movie did have a few good things going for it, such as a lot of old people. In fact, the combined age of Chevy Chase, Howard Hessman, and Morgan Fairchild is like 500. And believe me when I tell you that these vets of stage and screen brought together their C-plus games to get these roles. Most importantly, this movie was directed by one Fred Olin Ray, who is that, you ask, a giant among giants of B-movie film directors. It does seem uh, that Fred has attempted to reinvent himself in the last few years, as he has quite a few of these horrible Christmas movies under his belt, but I'm more familiar with his work such as The Girl with the Sex Rays Eyes, The Super Ninja Bikini Babes. Uh, one of the most amazing things about Fred Olsen Ray is that he has a career that spans 40 years and includes almost 150 directed films, and yet it does look like he has no idea what he's doing. That's awesome, and that's worthy of subtracting a vomit. Um, so the, uh, the, the person rating this movie rates it four turkeys out of five. Uh, so I don't really know if that's uh, good or bad, but it uh, didn't, certainly didn't jingle his Christmas baubles this year. So we have another lovely, enigmatic, English eccentric. Okay, so here's another Mad Jack. Uh, Mad Jack Mighton uh, was a Regency gentleman known for his extreme spending. When he went to Cambridge University, Mighton took 2,000 bottles of port to aid his studies. Academics bored of him, uh, so he left uh, to tour Europe. After a period in the military, he decided to try his hand at politics. He persuaded voters to support him by wearing a hat with £10 notes attached to it, which were uh, encouraged to snatch. He spent a fortune to win his seat, yet had one of the least distinguished parliamentary careers of all. He attended one meeting, found the chamber hot and uncomfortable, so he left after 30 minutes and never returned. A noted prankster, Mighton would replace his vicar's sermon with pages from a sporting paper. He once rode a bear into a dining room. He kept 2,000 hounds for hunting. Uh, Mighton spent his way through a considerable fortune, living in his lavish, eccentric, and died in huge debt. So we have another trumple trombone. Uh, is it a uh, ho-ho-ho? Or would it be a ho 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 a no uh, in the, in this sense of the word? <laughs> so that's the uh, that's the whole uh, mantra behind uh, trumple trombone. Uh, and then uh, this week we do have um, a rather rather interesting uh, little tale here. Smellicopter drone harnesses power of moths to scan disaster zones. They may sound like an unlikely pairing, but a moth and a drone could soon be working together to save lives. Researchers have created an autonomous drone that uses the antenna of a moth to detect smells. Dubbed the Smellicopter, it could scan disaster zones for survivors buried under rubble or used to detect gas leaks. Drones can reach places that people or dogs cannot reach, including dangerous areas such as unstable structures 
or the sites of unexploded uh, devices even. Uh, so in thinking about these uh, these drones, I'm, I'm thinking that the excess mothballs that I have in my uh, extensive sweater collection uh, could be used for uh, bouncing mothball drone bombs uh, in an online shopping war uh, with Bezos uh, providing and uh, creating exploding mothballs. Secondly, fireman woken by rooster was driven to cockerside. A, ma a French man has been given a five-month suspended prison sentence for killing his neighbour's rooster Marcel, whose crowing stopped him from sleeping. The man, a 47-year-old fire officer named as Gerard by the French media, was convicted of shooting Marcel before finishing off the bird with an iron bar. Uh, in Vinever in southern France in June. In his fury at being kept awake, he also poured salty water in his neighbour's vegetable patch. The criminal courts in Provence, the area's main town, was caught. Uh, Gerard admitted cruelty to animals, transporting a firearm without a legitimate reason and damaging property. Um, he said he had been exasperated, regretted his crime, which was dubbed cockicide. Uh, so in, in, the, in, the case of, uh, in the case of Gerard here, um, there's no morning glory for this young chap uh, when the rooster gets him up too early every morning, uh, but I'm sure it was roast rooster on the menu the next day. Many thanks for listening to the podcast today, episode number 43 of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Uh, we are uh, double bagging it this week, and we have uh, another podcast tomorrow. We're going to try to uh, have two a week up until Christmas. And then see what my uh, post-festive energy levels will be like after eating too many mince pies, Christmas cake, and uh, obviously too much uh, carved turkey. And it could uh, it could reduce my uh, energy levels to that of one podcast a week. We shall see. But we finish with A Christmas Carol, George Wither. So now it has come, our joyful feast. Let every man be jolly. Each room with ivy leaves is dressed. And every post with holly. Though some churls at our mirth repine, Round your foreheads garlands twine, Drown sorrow in a cup of wine, And let us all be merry. Now all of our neighbours' chimneys smoke, And Christmas blocks are burning, Their ovens they with baked meats choke, And all their spits are turning. Without the door let sorrow lie, And fall cold it hap to die, We'll bury it in a Christmas pie, And evermore be merry. Now every lad is wondrous trim, and no man minds his labour. Our lasses have provided them a bagpipe and a tabor. Young men and maids and girls and boys give life to one another's joys, and you anon shall be their noise, perceive them, they are merry. Rank misers now be sparing shun, their hall of music soundeth, and dogs thence with whole shoulders run, so all of things aboundeth. The country folk themselves advance, for crowdy muttons comes out of France, and Jack shall pipe and Jill shall dance, and all the town be merry. Ned Swatch hath fetched his band with prawn, and all his best apparel. Bristnell hath bought a rough of lawn with droppings of the barrel. And those hardly all the year have bread to eat or rags to wear, with both clothes and dainty fare, and all the day be merry. Now poor men to the justices with capons make their errands, and if they hap to fail these, they plague them with their warrants, and now they feed them with good cheer, and that they take them in their beer, for Christmas comes but once a year, and then they shall be merry. Good farmers in the country nurse the poor, the else were undone, some landlords spend their money worse on lust and pride in London. There the roysters they do play, drab and dice their land away, 
with many hours another day, and therefore let's be merry. The client now is soup for bears, the prisoner's heart is eased, the debtor drinks away his cares, and for the time is pleased. And others' purses may be fat, and why we pine or grieve at that, hang sorrow care will kill a cat, and therefore let's be merry. Hark how the wags aboard do call, each other forth to rambling, anon you'll see them in the hall for nuts and apples scrambling. Hark how the roost with laughter sound, anon the house goes around, for them the cellar's depths are found, and there they will be merry. The wenches with their wassail bowls about the streets are singing, the boys come out to catch the owls the wild mare is bringing. Our kitchen boy have broke his box, and to the dealing of the ox, our honest neighbours come by flocks, and here they will be merry. Now kings and queens, poor sheep coats have, and mates with everybody. The honest now play the knave, and wise men play at noddy. Some muse will come, a mumming go, some others play a Roland hoe, and twenty other game boys mow, because they will be merry. And there wherefore, in those merry days, should we, I pray, be duller. No, let's sing around around roundelays to make our mirth be fuller. And whilst we thus inspired sing, let all the streets with echoes ring, woods and hills and everything bear witness, we are merry. Cheerio, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Enjoy a, a snowy weekend if you're lucky enough to have some of the snow moving from Denver across the Midwest. Wherever you're listening to the podcast, have a healthy, safe, and joyous weekend. Uh, I will see you again tomorrow. Um, and uh, until then, au revoir, mon ami.